Hey, it's the publisher here, Mr. Kelly Cole. Listen, if you are a former professional athlete, if you are a former college athlete or sports coach, and you're looking to launch your speaking career, let me tell you, you need a book. If you're already out there speaking and you want to track more high-paid speaking engagements, you need a book. It's not about creating more content to post on social media. It's not about recording a bunch of videos. It's not about doing more podcasts. The number one secret to attracting more high-paid speaking engagements or even launching your speaking career is a book. Hey, I'm the publisher, Mr. Kelly Cole, and I help former athletes and sports coaches create best-selling books in 30 days to launch their speaking career, even if they hate writing and don't know where to start. So for the first time ever, I've created a free case study video that will not only show you how to write a book from scratch in as little as 30 days and become a best-selling author, it will also show you how to attract more high-paid speaking engagements. Now, to check out this free case study video, click the link that says learn more or go to Books for Athletes dot com real quick before you go do not go if you're not a former athlete or sports coach because you won't find any value in what i'm about to share and don't go if your book is already out and already on amazon you won't find any value in what i share over there but if you are a former athlete or sports coach know that you need a book or um, already out there speaking and you want to launch your speaking career go check out that link now writing a book is not as hard as you think it doesn't even matter if you don't know where to start. My case study video will show you how to start and get it done and onto the bestsellers list. So go now. Welcome to the Books for Athletes podcast with your host, the publisher, Mr. Kelly Cole. Mr. Cole, a former athlete and best-selling author himself, has set out to take you behind the scenes of some of sports' forgotten heroes. He sits down with former professional athletes, college athletes, and sports coaches as they share stories of triumph, defeat, dedication, and perseverance. Here's Kelly. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Books for Athletes podcast. And today I got a special guest. And when I say a special guest, I know I say that all the time, but this is family. Like we go way back. You knew me since I was a baby. What's up? I got my man, superstar, legend, William Gates. How are you, sir? Man, I'm blessed, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, this is this is a uh, man. This is a special moment right now, man. A special time. You can almost say this one of them full circle kind of kind of situations, man. I you said it earlier. You know, your family and my family, man. We we grew up together. I mean, and, and who would have thought? Um, you know, when God was birthing back then, it, we would see it all these years later man. to to bring it back together, man. For this particular situation, man. Man, what a blessing. Only he knows, man. Only he can orchestrate that, man. I, like I said, I've said many times, man, I used to watch Hoop Dreams every day before school. Like, literally. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> like, while I'm getting dressed, I'm watching Hoop Dreams. And, man, like you said, it's just a full circle moment, man. It's an honor. It's a pleasure, man. Like, you're a legend. Let's start there. Like, how does it feel to be such an inspiration to so many young men like myself? Like, how does that feel? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I never viewed it that way. Mm. And see, and I know we'll talk a little bit about it later about the book and things of that nature. But be honest with you, man, 
when I see hoop dreams, I don't see it like a lot of other people see it. Because you remember, got to remember, it's my life, right? So people see inspiration. People find you know their their space in it. But for me, as crazy as this may sound, I've only seen the movie five times in my entire life, and and the reason being so is because um, I watched it with my family, mm-hmm. and then. As my boys got older, I watched it with them individually. And then I went on this HBCU tour with the Holland Glow Trollers, and they forced me to sit down and watch it with them. But I, as crazy as this sound, when I'm getting ready to say, man, I've always looked or avoided the movie, the, the, the limelight of it, because I looked at Hoop Dreams, for me personally, as failure. Mm. And the reason I said it is because I didn't get the ultimate dream. So I didn't want to go around um, talking about my failure. Like, I'm, in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to celebrate that. I don't want to be a part of that. Even though other people's like, man, your story's been amazing. It's been inspirational, man. I'm, man, you just don't understand. I, I saw you and AG, y'all were grinding out there. Y'all was putting it together. But in, a, in my back of my mind, I'm thinking like, yeah, man, but we didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that, man. Definitely. So, so let's let me go back. How did it even come about? So, how did they approach y'all? Why did they choose you and Arthur? Like, how did the documentary even come about? So, so crazy that you asked that question. Um, for as many people that did not like Coach Pingator in the movie, he is the sole reason why I'm even in it because. I was already going to St. Joe's when Arthur Ag at the beginning of the movie, he's playing Isaiah Thomas. I'm at the camp already. Wow. They just couldn't film me, but I'm already there. I've been in the camp for the last two weeks. Wow. So he shows up that first day and that just happened to be the day that Isaiah comes in and was talking to the campers and they introduced themselves to coach Ping and say, Hey man, we following this kid around. He wants to potentially come to the school. And Ping turns around and said, well, guess what? I got a kid that's coming in from the inner cities of Chicago, Cabrini Green. You might want to talk to him, too. Wow. So they introduced themselves to me. And and before I knew it, man, they was, they was at my house talking to my mom, talking to Curtis. And next thing I know, I was a part of Hoop Dreams. And it went from there. Wow. That's awesome. Like, I love the backstory, stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, most people didn't like him. But, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I just I know that type of coach. I went to Weber. You familiar with Weber? Oh, we used to play y'all. Absolutely. So, yeah. So so I'm familiar with that style of coaching. He wasn't a back. They was just hard nosed old school guys. They had their rules. They had their body. And they just stuck by him, which as men, we can respect now. But watching the movie as a kid is like, no, nobody liked him. Absolutely. I mean, it's hard for anybody to appreciate the struggle when you're going through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, who 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 wants to appreciate the, the 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 pain, the misunderstanding? Like even even from a basketball perspective, I know a lot of guys say that, man, I love the conditioning. Well, I would never say that. I didn't like all that conditioning. I'm looking like, exactly. man, you out here running and coach like, nope, you didn't make it. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. we didn't make the time. You know in your mind, you beat the time. But as you get older, you recognize the discipline that put in you, 
Yeah. You recognize, man, the structure that it gave you. Like every time I go out and speak, I always, particularly when I'm talking to high school kids or even college kids, I tell them, man, one of the greatest lessons that Coach Pingator taught me was, I remember when I was walking down the hallway at St. Joe's and there was a piece of paper on the ground and I stepped over it mm. and Ping saw me do it. Now, there's a bunch of us out there, yeah. but he saw that I stepped over it. So he calls me over and he says, Will, why didn't you pick that piece of paper up? I was like, Coach, I ain't throw that down there. He's like, yeah, but is this not your school? I was like, yeah. He said, well, then is this, if this is your school, then you take care of your house. He said, man, that's, that's trash on your floor. You don't step over it. You pick it up and you throw it in the garbage. And that lesson taught me, man, that you know what? The things that I'm invested in, regardless um, if if somebody else put it that way, if I have, if I see it, yep. I need to address it. So, man, one of the greatest life lessons I, I ever received from Coach Pingatua. Those those types of things, man. What was the, I know like at the end you said it was hard for you to watch because you didn't actually make the dream. What was like one of the other toughest things about um, being in the movie or being a part of the documentary, them filming it and stuff like that? I think when you get to like the 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 messier parts of the movie where you where you get emotional, where that vulnerability aspect shows up really strong. Um, like, you know, man, there were, there were times in the movie when, you know, my mom wasn't working, you know, so resources wasn't coming into the house. But, you know, you can't say, oh, y'all got to stop filming. Yeah. You know, they're still filming. Or, for example, when 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 Curtis, like, it isn't working and you see he's going through this bout of just trying to rediscover and find himself. And really, I would even say he was depressed yeah. because, uh, you know, he had been this great superstar. Uh, so those those were tough times. And that's why, you know, I always tell people, you know, it, the movie was still it was our life. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a Hollywood story. We were living that thing. Yeah. Uh, so but we committed to the project. You know, we wanted to it to be authentic. Uh, we didn't know where it was going to go. Right. Uh, once we made that commitment to it, you know, man, and I'm grateful of my mother for this. See it through. And that's what we did. Awesome. But I'm going to tell you this, though, Kelly. My mother, though, she was slick, though. She was telling us to see it through. But my mother was like, no, I ain't going to be in that thing like that. Y'all can go ahead and do that. I'm going to let y'all see it through. But my mother, you notice my mother was only in it very sparingly <laughs> because she was being mom. She was sitting back watching everything, observing everything. But my mother was like, I refuse yeah. to be part of that. <laughs> That's funny. Speaking of Curtis, like he plays such an instrumental part in the movie. And he was that, I think he was everybody's big brother. You know, he gave you some some real stuff. He was like, yo, he was out there. As far as I'm concerned, wasn't nothing wrong with him. And you that's know, that mentality. Talk about that. It's, it's, I think sometimes what people forget is the era when people were growing up. Like, even, even again, even because now, you know, I minister, I preach the word of God. Yeah. I'm always helping young people, like, you're getting mad at your parents. You're getting mad at your dad. You're getting mad at your mom, your grandparents. But you don't understand the era yeah. that they grew up in where they had to navigate 
so much craziness. Like I don't, I, I never excuse the fact that stuff wasn't done right at home, but I understand when things didn't always work out. I'm looking like, man, my mom, you know, coming from Mississippi, yeah, growing up in Jim Crow laws and all this other stuff. I can't imagine how she navigated that. I can't imagine how my father navigated that. And so the last thing I'm trying to do is sit there and go like, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. So what I try to explain to people, this was Curtis too. He was navigating life the way he grew up in it. And what he saw was the mistakes that he made in life and with the game. And he said, guess what? I'm going to give my little brother, I'm going to get him to do the opposite of what I did. Maybe I need to be a little tougher on him in this capacity. Because one of the things I think also happens to Kelly is people forget, man, we grew up in Cabrini Green. Green. It wasn't like Cabrini Green was, you know, we can go out and there was, you know, playgrounds here and you could skip over here. You went out and you 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 literally walked into some level or some form of adversity yep. every day. You know, I, I, I laugh about it, but I remember there were times at Cabrini Green, man, when there were fights going on, they were family fights, you know. Yeah. It was the Jones gets the Smith, you know. It's like people don't recognize, man, Cabrini was like a city within itself. I used to tell people, man, y'all talk about Cabrini like, you know, it's a it's an entire city, like Cabrini Green, Illinois. Like that's how it that's how it was to people. And and so when it came down to Curtis, man, his mentorship, his leadership, his love, um, he always wanted to produce the best out of me. But I also tell people about this about Curtis too, man. Curtis will give you the shirt off his back. Yeah. He was the most humblest, gentle. I mean, you talk about a gentle giant. I mean, I I only saw um I never saw what other people saw in him because I knew another side of him. So I never, like, like even with my boys, when I was training them in basketball and I would let them know, hey, guess what? I love you. It's going to be hard on you, but I love you. And what I tell you and what what we go through, it's going to be considered minor to what the world is going to throw at you. So it's my job, as best as I can, to prepare you for, you know, what's to come. You know, even like right now, my son, he wants to get back in shape. So I've been working him out at the gym and he's reading the book. And he was like, man, dad, that's so much going on. I, I didn't know. And uh, I said, well, son, one of the reasons you didn't know so much, because I didn't want you to ever think that even though you and I, we share the same name, that you felt like that you had to be hoop dreams. Right. I never wanted to throw that on you. But what I wanted to give you was because I knew people were going to throw it on you, it was my job to prepare you for the mental toughness aspect of it. Yeah. So when they show up, I said, son, you, you're going to walk in the gym. Yeah. As soon as somebody say, that's Will Gates' son for Hoop Dreams, yeah. the next, the team is going to be like, oh, let's go get him. Yeah. Let's go get him. I said, son, that that comes with the territory. Yeah. That's it, it just is. I like. I said. I told my son, son. You know how your, how your dad is. We call it the other side of the blessing. The blessing is, 
you do got hoop dreams. That's you got instant walking into it. Yeah. Set up for you. The other side is folks gonna come and knock you down. Yeah. And you need to be ready for that. Yeah, man. That that's some good stuff. Like like you said, like even raising my son, we talked to Aaron a little bit. Um, it's like like you said, they don't understand coming from that concrete jungle, like being born in Cabrini. Like I said, I was raised on the West side, but we would always go back to Cabrini because our family lived there, man. Mm-hmm. And um, man, I remember when, you know, Tara's prom, they shot up the bus. Yep. Like, just imagine yep. being a young kid, you seeing a school bus being shot up and we're watching. I'm like, this can't be life. It was a war zone over there, man. And you know what's so crazy about that too is, man, I think we have grown, we grew up in it. It became almost like the norm. Yeah. So I don't even, I mean, I, I know we were affected by it, mm-hmm. but we had learned to navigate through it. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy, man. But here's the other aspect of it. Because it's all I've ever known, yeah. I don't, and after experiencing other things in life, I would never take that away though. Right. Because I know that I know the hood, man, it it made me who I am, the ins and outs. And 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 I tell people all the time, man, we lost a lot of people in the hood. Yeah. A lot of a lot of hurt, man, a lot of just, you know, death on top of death. But one thing I'll always say about Cabrini, man, man, we knew everybody. Yeah. Like there wasn't there wasn't a block I can go on and I didn't know eight or nine families on yeah. that block. Wasn't a project I couldn't go into yeah. because I felt like, man, I can't go into this project. Because you knew tons of families. I mean, it it was it was the it's the it's this crazy mix of yeah. friends. <laughs> And and enemies, you know, you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> exactly what you mean. It's like it's like you got this bowl, man, of 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 a good soup for folks yeah. going in there. You know, you got your oregano, you got all this other stuff. Then sometimes people throw some deal weed. You know, you're like, I don't want no deal weed in my yeah. in my soup. But you got to take the whole mix because you know if it if it was it was where we lived, and it was where we grew up, mm-hmm. and it is where we got. Uh, you said it earlier. You called it the concrete jungle. I call it the, we got those concrete life lessons. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Dennis Haley. I am the author of the playbook, The Art of Dreaming. Um, Just want to say a special thank you to Kelly Cole and the Publishing Advantage group team. Man, they were with me from day one until the time I finished and still with me uh, to this day. Um, What a blessing to have them. be with me and to walk me through this journey and to be a part of this journey. Um, They have been nothing but class acts and they know what they're talking about. And just again, it is a blessing to be a part of this team and for them to guide me down the path to success. So thank you for everything that you have done. I look forward to uh, many more projects with you guys and continue to be a blessing to many. Thank you. Yeah. That helped us, you know, like, like, for example, like I tell people, when I got to St. Joe's, people ask me, how did I know I was ready? Well, the, to be honest with you, Kelly, playing the guys in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. 
I thought they were the best basketball players in the world. Yeah. So when I got out to St. Jones, I, I'm watching them and I'm going like, well, y'all ain't better than the guys yeah. in my neighborhood. So I knew yeah. when I got out there that I could play and compete. Because I said, yeah, see, in my, I'm thinking like, you ain't, you ain't seen the guy that just get off the bus, just get home from work. He got on his work boots, yep. come to Chicago Avenue, yep. and dropped 25 right. <laughs> in a right. game. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's basketball at its best. <laughs> Not even go home. He comes Not even go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't know about that, man. But like that. Said, it made us who we are. One of my proudest moments with my son is like one of the things, you know, I learned. Man, you don't make excuses. You make it happen. Absolutely. And, and there he was makes one it happen time, too, man. He makes it happen. And there was one time we were on tour, and his keyboard player had to go back to Jacksonville. We were in Atlanta. He was like, "Bro, I gotta leave. I ain't gonna be able to play for you." He was like, "When you gotta be back?" And he said, "I gotta be back in the morning to play for church." And Aaron's like, "Okay, stay for the show. I'll drive you overnight back." And the dude looked at me. He was like, "You okay with that?" And I was like, "Yeah." I told him how to make it happen. Like he needs you to play. He's willing to drive you back. What's the problem? Right, right, right. Proud moment for me because it's like, yo, I really taught this kid how to make it happen. Like we couldn't make excuses, Will. We had to make it home. It wasn't no, it wasn't no, hey, I'm afraid to go here, I'm afraid to go there. No, you had to get home. Absolutely. So and 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 add on top of that too, man. The reason I think we understood that because we was given responsibility at such a young age, man. Like I remember being in first grade, we call it latchkey kid. Yep, Mom yep. try to keep it around your neck, and you know you tuck it in your shirt, man. And you go to school, and you got to get home. And you got home, you was the only one in the house. So, you know, yep. you're like, so we 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 understood that, and I, and I'm grateful of that because it's just like you said, you put that in Aaron, I put that in my kids because it it, you know, we gave them a different kind of lifestyle, but the lessons, the lessons, they remain the same. The Aaron ain't. He, he, he's not going to drive that kid unless if you if you don't give him that lesson. Yeah. That never that never even happens. Never happens. He 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 probably would have been looking at you, Dad. What we gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even ask me. He didn't even blink. He's like, all right, I'll just drive you. And right. I looked at the dude. He's like, you okay? I was like, yeah. What's the problem? Right. Like, right. Right. It's showtime. What's the problem? You gonna Absolutely. You gotta do, but. But yeah, man, there's some powerful stuff. So where were you when the movie came out? So where were you in life when the movie came out? Believe it or not, man, um, we didn't know that Hoop Dreams was going to become what it was. Um, the the film directors and the producers, they submitted it to what was called the Sundance Film Festival. They do it every year up in Canada. And Hoop Dreams won what was called the Audience Award. Wow. And from there, it got a distribution bill through New Line Cinema. They had a documentary department called Fine Line. And what went from there was it was in the Fine Line department, but it had become so big, New Line took it over. So believe it or not, the first time I didn't see the movie, but I saw the trailer. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the theater watching, you know, how they play all the previews before I'm watching above the rim. That's getting ready to come on. That's when I saw it. Right. So out of out of the blue, here's a Hoop Dreams trailer. 
And all I see is me going up for this dunk. And I'm like, whoa, what? That's me. So I'm something like, oh, this is real. Because we didn't know that they had made trailers for it and stuff wow. like that. So from there, man, we had got an invitation for the opening in New York. Took us out, man, to the big theater. There's over 2,500 people there. Both of our families went. Nobody knew we were there. After the movie, man, people clapping, going crazy, and they throw this big spotlight on my family and AG's family, man, and people just go ballistic. Wow. I mean, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't write it any better than that. So that was the first time I saw it, man, and I was just saying, wow, this is just insane. Because you got to think about it. You, it's, it's your life. Yeah. How many people think that your life is going to have, like, I believe we all got a story to tell. Yeah. And, but, but when you're going through it, yeah. you don't, you don't feel like you got a story to tell. Right. You, all you feel is, you know, you have moments of ups, you got moments of down, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to rewrite what you wrote wrong. You know, yeah. to me, sometimes life is like, you know, the paper that the teacher grades. Yep. You know, you give it to her and she give you all these marks on it. <laughs> and yep. you got to go back and redo that thing. That's so. it. That is real good. So were, were you still in college when it came out or had you graduated yeah. from the West? No, it was, it was both of our senior years. Interesting enough, man. Uh, this is before the NIL deals, which y'all know, man. I'm so, I'm so mad about that now. I wish they were doing NIL back in the day. But um, when the movie came out, the NCAA was like, they took our scholarships away. Wow. Because they was like, you know, this is a paid for, you know, a movie venture. And so we had to get lawyers, the schools got lawyers for us. And eventually um, what happened was it was some paperwork that we had signed that said that we came on. This was going to be a PBS documentary because it was because the original thing was never titled Hoop Dreams. It was actually titled Higher Gold. Mm. And the purpose of it was to show how kids go from street ball to organized basketball. And it was supposed to have been a two-week filming. But after two weeks, they said, man, we think we got something more here. And so they asked both of our families, could we continue filming? And, of course, that was, you know, four years later, yeah. Hoop Dreams was born. But, yeah, after the NCAA took our scholarship away, we got the lawyers involved. They came back and said, since it was initially for PBS and we had no control over it turning into what it did, they gave us our scholarships back, but it was our senior year. But here's the thing. They controlled our involvement in it. Mm. So uh, we could only do so many things. We always had to have a representative with us. I mean, man, it was kind of like, it was great, but I felt policed. Gotcha. You know, you couldn't you couldn't go here, you couldn't go there, or you can only do so many in a week. And the truth was, every place I went, and I'm sure it was the same for AG, to people, it seemed like it was a continuation of the movie. Yeah. So people who were not even interested in basketball was just showing up to our games because they wanted to talk to me after the game. Wow. So, but the school was like, no. Um, and I get it. Um, it. We had just gotten a brand new coach. 
he was trying to find himself and Hoop Dreams kind of overshadowed mm. his first year at Marquette. Yeah. And so uh, I got it on one end, but at the same time, man, I, um, I'm i 19. You know, we wanted it too. You know, we, right. we, you know, we wanted all that it was supposed to come with, but we didn't get an opportunity to tap into it like that until after uh, the school year was over. No. So what happened after the school year was over and all of that? What did you and AG start doing after that? You know, what's, what's interesting, AG and I together, we've never done anything together until the podcast. Really? Yes. He did his thing and I was doing my thing. So like the first uh, couple of years, man, I was out on the circuit. I was speaking. Um, uh Anything that was I was doing basketball camps, all those kind of things, man. I was just trying to generate resources and and keep it going. But at the same time, too, I had kids. Yeah. So even though I was out there doing these different things, I said, you know what, man, I need a real job. Yeah. I'm like, I need insurance. I I got kids that need to go see the right. doctor. So I ended up settling um, back in Chicago, and I started working for this organization called. Oak Park Township, and what they had was they had a youth department, and uh, so I worked with the school district to um, uh, help the kids and the police and the community people um, have an understanding of how they can collaborate together, so that was one of the aspects of my job, but it was also um, trying to be an interventionist so that the kids, if they had some issues, Let's meet it before it grows into something crazy. So I did that for about um, two, three years as I was still traveling and speaking. And but I want to say this, Kelly, probably in probably about the fourth year of Hoop Dreams, I walked away from it. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, I did it because as I was out there speaking and looking at these. These young people, I was thinking to myself, like, man, what have I really accomplished? Mm. And so I I needed to go on that journey and find me and discover me and because I didn't know what how far this hoop dreams component was going to go. Because again, because we didn't make it, you know, we didn't own the brand of it. I mean the 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 movie people owned the brand of it. Yeah. How far could we take it? Um, so I I went on this on this on this journey. I just I just said, you know what, let me just let me just back away from it. Let me take care of my kids. Let me take care of my wife. Yeah. I'm just gonna be regular Will Gates. And that's that's what happened. Wow. Well, good stuff. Let's jump into um Hoop Dreams fifth quarter, man. The new book out right now, man. Talk, let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. So where did you pick up at in the book? I know you gave a little bit of backstory. Let's not give them the whole book. Let's start from here. Let's start from the comeback. When you decided to make your comeback. Tell them, tell them about that story. You told me a little bit about it. You know, the, the I guess I would have to start it from here where um, here's the thing. When you're an athlete, you're in sports, mm-hmm. there's your flame never dies out. It never. just doesn't burn out. It, it can't, you know. 
every year, man, especially when it's conditioning time and it hits October, my body would just rev up. And I'm like, okay, why, why am I feeling this way? What, what, what's going on? That energy flows back. And I used to go down to the gym in Chicago called Moody Bible Institute, man. They had an incredible NBA courts in there. And me and my, my wife, for whatever reason, she was there that day. And she's just watching me play. Then she see me working out by myself. And she calls me over. She said, have you thought about playing again? I was like, Cat, I'm 29. I ain't, a, ain't nobody looking for a 29-year-old. When you're 29, you should already be playing, not right. trying to play again. She said, no, there's something on you that she's like, you need to pray about it and, and ask God, is this what he's having for you? Yeah. So, man, I pray about it. And now here's the crazy thing, Kelly, at this point, I'm 29. I'm not in any kind of basketball shape. Matter of fact, I think I, at that point, I probably weighed about 260 pounds. I mean, I'm a husky dude. And I'm, I'm going to go see my pastor's daughter play. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving down the street. And I just start praying. I said, Lord, I heard what my wife says. If this, if you really want me to do this, said I need a trainer and a guy that I used to train with, I don't know his phone number. I said, God, and look, and look at me putting God to the test, right? I'm like, God, if you want me to do this, I need that guy's phone number. Kels, do you know instantly that dude's phone number popped in my head? Instantly. I since God has gave it to me that fast, I called that dude right away. I, he didn't even pick it up. I left him a voicemail, said, hey, man, this is Will Gates. I think I want to do this again. That's all I said. I think I want to do this again. That joker called me back laughing. <laughs> he was like, man, <laughs> you're too old to be talking about you're going to try to do this professionally. I said, man, I'm serious. I want to I wanna try to do this. Now, this was like on a Thursday, and I told him, I said, I'm going. It's like November. I said, I'm going out of town. I said, I got to go to New York for a CCDA conference. And uh, I said, is there anything I can do while I'm out there? He said, well, Will, if you're really serious, yes. He said, just try to do 25 push-ups straight. <laughs> <laughs> he said, just do that every night. Man, I'm like, straight? Oh, couldn't even get 25 straight, man. It was, it was something awful. <laughs> he said, but when you get back on Monday, call me and let's set up a schedule. I said, better yet, because I was so serious about it. I said, well, I said, if you can, meet me at Moody at 10 o'clock on Monday. We can get started and set the schedule up after that. He meets me there, man. I'm telling you, I'm out of shape. And we just, you know, we do some light jog, you know, just yeah. little things. We get back in the gym. We just start shooting. And, and, and I'm a big believer in this, man, the compound effect. If you keep doing things over and over, eventually it'll add on and, and you'll grow for it. So this is like the middle of November, about time January hits. I go from 260 pounds to legitimately 195 pounds, man. Wow. I mean, this joker, man, had me in shape. We swimming, running, hooping. And as a matter of fact, at this time, 
because Moody was really showing me a lot of love. Uh, they was letting me use the gym. So I was hosting like these summer league games at the gym. So like Scottie Pippen is playing. Like we got like all these guys who played college ball coming back in. Like Moody was like the place to be this summer. And I was just sitting there like, you know, overwhelmed. Like, man, God, you would do this for me. Like these guys are showing up. And so we hooping and I'm getting back in it. And then as we go through that, uh, I remember asking God, I said, Lord, I need better competition because, you know, uh, it's getting, you know, it's getting late into the season. Um, you know, summer's almost over. And next thing I know, I get a call from Tim Grover. This is Michael's uh, trainer. Yo, what up? It's your girl, JC. And listen, I have to send a special shout out to my guy, Mr. Kelly Cole, and the entire team at Publishing Advantage Group and Books for Athletes. They took so great care of me to the point that I know I'm the pickiest person. This book was supposed to have been finished last summer. However, there were some details that I needed to make sure that the book had because my audience needed it. And, you know, when it comes down to feeding and serving the people, especially as a former athlete and telling your story, you know you cannot be selfish with the material and give it away. And they worked with me from the time of my thought process to the time of conception all the way down to now top 20 hot release best-selling author on Amazon in 24 hours. Listen, if you're an athlete, you have a story to tell, and you don't know how to put it in book form just yet, don't worry, you're not alone, okay? Hit my guy, Mr. Kelly Cole, and tell him what you're trying to do, and I promise you he going to get you right, all right? And of course, check me out on Amazon after the season. Shout out to the Books for Athletes family. He's like, Will, I heard that you're trying to make a comeback. I got your number. Listen, won't you come on over, man, to my gym? I said, I got a gym called. His gym was called Hoops the Gym. What a great name, right? Wow. Hoops the Gym. So I go over there, man, and I walk in. First thing I see is the 1990-91 Bulls championship team. I'm looking like, man, this whole hoop squad is here. And we just hooping, playing. Now, at this point, you know, I'm not talking to Michael, but this is at the time when he's getting ready to make his comeback with the Wizards. So I'm not talking with him. You know, Mike is Mike. Mike going to be Mike. You know, nobody really kind of knew. There have been rumors, but – Nobody had knew. So we're doing this like every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on clockwork. But for me, I'm doing more than that. Like I literally, when I tell you I was so committed to getting back to being where I was at, I'm doing six to seven hours a day in the gym. Like I'm working out in the morning. I'm, 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 I'm lifting in the morning. I'm swimming. I'm running. I'm hooping. And I'm doing all this before noon. Then wow. at noon, I'm playing. I still got my games going. My games will go to 2 o'clock. At 2 o'clock, I'm leaving those games. Then I'm going to Jordan and Tim Grover's games, playing over there at 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And this was like my every day. Wow. So um, then we're just playing. And, and like, man, I, I will admit, not trying to brag or nothing like that, but I found it, Kelly. I I I found it. And man, did I find it. I mean, I'm lighting guys up, strong, getting to the cup. That mojo that I lost, mm. God gave it back to me. To the point where Jordan just starts talking. Will, what are you trying to do? I'm like, man, I want to play. He's like, well, listen, I'm going to give you a tryout with my team. And I'm like, oh, 
Okay, now in my mind, I'm like, that's what I want anyway. That's why I'm in there hoping that this could happen. But you don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, Mike, can I get a try for your team? You know, those kind of things, man, they need to lead the charge on that. Right. So I, I, um, so the day he told me that, the next day, he does a uh, interview and announces to the world that he's coming back. He's in D.C. He makes this announcement. And we're like, man, we were just hooping last night. You ain't say none of this to nobody. Right. Then he flies back that same day, and we hooping again. Wow. After this big announcement. Makes the announcement at 10, and at 3 o'clock, Mike in the gym with us, hooping. Wow. And uh, and next thing I know is, man, I'm, I'm part of this little cluster. I'm getting the invites. No longer am I getting to be invited. I am invited. So I just show up to the gym. Doors are locked. I go in. And next thing I know, Mike is having these. It was about 10 of us. No, six of us. He's just having conversations saying, hey, I'm going to give you guys a shot. Now, here's the crazy thing. I'm going well, doing well, loving it, feeling good. Matter of fact, in my mind, I, I kid you not, Kelly, I, in my mind, when people say you need to see it and you need to visualize it, oh, I, man, I had commercials running in my head. I, I had gym shoes running through my head. I yeah. said to myself, man, I don't even need the big $100 million contract. I was like, man, give me a two-year $10 million. I'm good to go. Because hey. I'm thinking I'm on the verge of doing something that I've always wanted to do. I said, man, at age 29, I said, man, I'm going to have the ultimate Hoop dream. The day before we get ready to go to be with the team, I fractured my foot. Now, I did not listen to my trainer because my trainer said, I said, man, I want to work out. He's like, well, why don't you just take the day off, man? But, you know, at that time, the, the game had changed from resting to it's 24-7. There is no time off. This is what you do. This is who you are. Right. Man, I go out there, man, and fracture my foot, and now I can't even walk on the thing. And unfortunately, on that level, they're not going to wait on a guy who ain't been there. Right. So another guy ended up, you know, getting my spot to go out there because they had like a little two-week mini training camp before the actual training camp starts. Right. And that two-week mini training camp would give you your opportunity to keep going further and further. Now, here's the crazy thing. I didn't give up. Mm. I, um, I, I I had a, uh, another opportunity with the Chicago Bulls. I go out there, you know, they get because the, the Bulls used to do like these individual workouts. They would bring you in. So I'm out there, man, working out with BJ Armstrong. Like he was the assistant GM at the time. Yeah. Killing it, man. I mean, killing it. BJ was like, man, well, you you ready. So I'm thinking like, okay, this is good. Jerry Krause, however, was like, we ain't got no spots, but we can put you on our um, practice squad. So I'm like, okay, cool. Because in my mind, I'm like, nobody's going to get hurt. You know, you don't want nobody to get hurt. Yeah. But it happened. It happened. Because it happened to me. Like, I, I've always believed that sometimes, man, the next man up is, you just injury away. I mean, that's right. unfortunate because it happened to me. And so I I go home, tell my wife the great news, tell Curtis the great news. 
Like, man, I can't believe this is like happening. Right. Man, I get on, man. Couldn't go back the next day. Got a temperature over 100 degrees. I think it was like 102, man. Just out of nowhere. Nowhere. I'm like, and then on top of that, my back goes out. So I got a, man, and my wife can tell you, I'm laying on the couch. She got like bags and bags of ice on my back. And it was just gone. Wow. I couldn't even walk, man. I couldn't even move. And it was at that point, I knew that um, God was transitioning me, but I didn't know how he was transitioning me. But I knew at that point that that NBA dream window, that peace that I had for that moment, was literally that door was closing. Now, I think I shared this with you before. I always tell people my issue was I prayed the wrong prayer. Yep, that's what I was going to be my next question. Tell them about that. You know, my prayer was, you know, I kept telling God, Lord, I just want to know if I was good enough to play. I need that, Lord. Mm -hmm. And God answered that. He showed me that I was good enough to play, that I belong up there. Yeah. But my prayer should have been, Lord, I want to play in the league. Yep. That yep. that should have been my prayer. Yep. And so, and I'm always telling folks now, listen, it is true. You got to be specific in what it is that you're asking God for. Yeah. And that doesn't even mean that you're going to always get it, but at least you know that you walked in that truth of it. You know, this is what I want. God, you may not give it to me, yeah. but this is what I want, as opposed to being trying to be gentle with it. Well, God, if you, if you, if you would, yeah. I'm looking like, God puts the if on our end, not on his end. He's looking like, is there anything too hard for me? He right. didn't say if there's anything too hard for me. <laughs> that if is on us. Right. So, yeah, I, I, man, but I will say this. In all of that, man, probably some of the happiest moments of my life, Kelly. I can't, I can't even tell you how it felt to, when I was out there playing against Jordan, Stackhouse, even a young, 16, 17-year-old LeBron James showed up one day and was out there playing. I mean, man, it was just all these great Chicago ball players and Penny Hardaway, all these guys coming down. And the fact that uh, that brotherhood that they talked about, yeah. uh, I was a part of that again. And, man, it, it was just, I mean, man, just, just, just amazing. I don't talk about it a whole lot in the book. Um, but that brotherhood, mm -hmm. man, it's 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 next level, man. I mean, to be a part of that that basketball community, man, it, it's it's something else. Yeah, man, that's dope. Yeah, we we don't want to give them all of the book. Um, couple of final things. What did it feel like when um I sent you the thing? You saw you hit number two on the Amazon bestsellers list. First of all, man. When you sent me that, I, I, cause you, you, you don't know how people are going to respond to it. Uh, I don't, I, I didn't know where this thing was going to go because I get a little raw in this book. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, the reality is, like I said, I'm going to give the book away, but one of the things that this book really addresses is, man, um, dealing with that mental piece. You know, you, you, 
I didn't know that's what it was back then that I was dealing and struggling with depression and anxiety. You know, we, we were taught, hey, get up, put a Band-Aid on it and keep moving. Yeah. And so to put myself back out there again, because you got to remember the movie puts you out there. Yeah. The book puts you out there. Uh, so, but when, when that came back, man, I told my wife, I said, wow, the goal was accomplished. Yeah. And, uh, and she said, um, she said, you're absolutely right. Because she said, your goal was you, you, you want people to get an understanding that, um, hoop dreams for you was more than just basketball, that it was your life. Yeah. But, but, but defining that and figuring it out has taken you a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> to get there. So, mm -hmm. man, when that came back showing number two, as a matter of fact, I checked it the other day. It's still holding kind of steady at number five. I was like, wow. Yeah. So, I just, so I'm just telling people, I'm like, hey, listen, if you're a Hoop Dream fan, go get that book because we still want to make history. You know, we want, you know, um, I mean, I, I want to get one of those Amazon tags that say bestseller. You know, I want yeah. some somebody out there to grab that book and say, hey, Will, man, let's, let's get this thing to become the New York Times bestseller. I, yep. I'm believing that. I'm believing that for God. Remember, I said, you know, you got to be specific in the prayer. So I'm, I'm, I'm believing that, you know, this book can sell thousands and thousands and thousands of copies. You know, hey, even if it's a hundred thousand, I, I mean, I want it all. I, I put no limit on what this can be, and my prayer has not had any limitations on it. Learned that lesson the hard way. Yes, sir. <laughs> Good, stuff. Good stuff. All right. For the guys out there, for the former professional athletes, college athletes, and sports coaches, um, what was it like working with us? And would you recommend them come to us to get their book done? First of all, let me just start here. Um, everybody has a story to tell. Even if you don't think you got a story to tell, you have a story to tell. Your life means something. Your life is valuable. And sometimes you may not even see the work until you put it on paper. Yeah. So get your get, put your life on paper. Now, you're going to need some structure behind that. And if you want to get some structure behind that, people need to get connected to books for athletes. Here's the reality. Man, working with you guys, man, um, it, was a, it was smooth. Everything was on time. The meetings were set up. Um, even, even just the correspondence. Matter of fact, I was late, slow, and dragging. And y'all kept pushing. <laughs> So, but but just the attention to detail, yeah. and and uh, so I would recommend any athlete, whether you play even a game twenty years ago, thirty years ago, you got a story to to share. You got a story to tell, and the blessing is, come get it by people, man, who's gonna love you through that process. And that's what happened, man. With books by athlete, I felt I felt the love throughout the process, and I just gotta say this, man. Y'all do the dopest covers I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, when I saw when I saw this, man, I was like, oh my goodness, he got the neighborhood behind it because y'all took you take the vision mm -hmm. out of people's minds, and because the question is like, hey, how do you see your book cover? And all I said was, man, I said, you know, like when you're in the gym or on the court and you see the banners, I said, I want them banners. But I said, my banners got to represent my family. got to represent my life. And man, 
and y'all put it there. And then I was like, but also, man, I wanted to represent the neighborhood. So you took it and you smoothed it. And I was just like, man, listen again. If you guys want it done right, connect with books for athletes. Appreciate it, bro. Two things. First, what's your favorite scripture? Second thing, what is the best advice you've ever received and from who? Give me those two. All right. Let me start with the, the latter first. The best advice I've ever seen actually came from my college coach. I remember when I first walked up on campus, school was starting. We were all walking through the courtyard, and he saw me, and he called me over, and he said, hey, Will, I want to tell you, man, it was such a privilege recruiting you here to Marquette University. Then that joker looked at me and said, but now that you're here, it is your responsibility to stay here. And I was like, wow, you are so right. He was letting me know that at, from that moment yeah. that I needed to come with it every day on every level, whether I'm in the classroom, basketball court, out in the public, that there was going to be a demand put on my life. And I appreciated that because sometimes you don't know your own personal capacity until people put a demand on you. Yeah. And once you find out, man, that you can be stretched, you can be pulled, Mm -hmm. Man, you could do some great things. And of course, my favorite scripture, man, is John 15, 5. Apart from God, you can do nothing. Man, you can't end it no better than that, man. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you doing this. Man, this is the first of many things to come we're going to do together, bro. Appreciate it, man. Last thing, though. Where can people get the book, of course, on Amazon? Tell them about the clothing line. Tell them about your websites, how they can book you to speak and all of that. So um, you can get the book, like you said, on Amazon.com. Just put in Hoop Dreams Fifth Quarter. It's going to take you right there. But also what I'm doing on my, on my website, which is hd-22.com, hd-22.com. I'll say it one more time, hd-22.com. I actually have it set up that you can go in there and get an autographed copy of the book. Uh, that's the only place that you can get an autographed copy. and if you also want to uh, book me personally and come out for a speaking engagement and things of that nature, on the website, you will find my email address, which is hoop22dreams at gmail.com. And that will connect you personally to me to come out for speaking engagements and in any other events as well. But again, that is hd-22.com. Listen, we want this book to blow up. Sure. Keep it going. Keep buying it. Share it with your friends. Listen, we get into the Christmas season. Basketball season is just now starting. Yep. This is a great read for all, you know, even the way that I dedicated the book, man. This is for the AAU coaches. This is for the grade school coaches. This is for the high school coaches. Yep. This is just for the, the couch coaches. This is for all those, man, who love um, to see people excel in life. That's dope, man. Did you get your first book signing planned yet? I have not got my first book signing yet. I need I need to get that. Um, working on some things right now. Um, yeah, you gotta remember too, Kev. Kev this this is this has been a minute since I've been out here doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
you know, just it's funny. I'm formulating a team right now yeah. to get all these things together, man. It's it's been a minute since Will Gates been back out here like this, so mm-hmm. uh, I had to dust off some some old thinking caps and shake yeah. some some dust from this corner and from that corner. But uh, hopefully um, by the middle, uh, hope I mean by the beginning of November, uh, we'll be rocking and rolling. Yo, man. Appreciate you so much, bro. Let me know if you need anything. I'm always here, bro. You have an amazing day. Crazy. You too, man. Bless you, man. All right. Bless you. All right. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Books for Athletes podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and leaving us reviews. And be sure, if you're interested and you want to get your book done, make sure you check out our free case study video at www.booksforathletes.com. Also, if you'd like for me to come to speak to your students or you're having an event and you need a speaker, I would love to be a part of it. Just shoot me an email at booksforathletes.com. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.